and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. March 12th, sorry, April 12th, I do apologise, 2015, you're listening to the Aaron Meta Show here on Mixcloud.com forward slash Aaron Meta, on the Stitcher app, on Player FM, and on iTunes as well, and various other RSS feed distributors, podcast distributors across the internet as well. And I am being joined by this one by Harry. Hello. And also Joshua as well. Hey, everyone. Hey. And uh, obviously, we're playing the uh, actually we're playing the tune to a WCW NWO Revenge, which uh, doesn't really make too much sense because uh, normally that would be like a four-player game, but obviously now we're, right now we're a three-player. Um, Cat obviously can't make it onto the show this week; uh, she's out of town, and uh, also uh, so it's just the three of us for for today. And uh, yeah, we've got quite a bit to talk about. So uh, anyway, guys, how's your Harry? How's your week been? Uh, the week has been pretty good, yes. Um, I've been all over the place this week. I've been to Leeds, Chester, and um, been doing all kinds of things. I had uh, The reason I couldn't turn up last week was because I was doing a, a filmmaking event in Manchester, uh, and we had the screening on Sunday, and the screening went very well. Oh, um, how, yeah, how did it go? Uh, it was really good, yeah. Uh, there was some uh, interesting work. Um, I adapted to film uh, a short scene from Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, which I wrote and starred in uh, and edited. Uh, it's on Vimeo now, so I might drop you a link later, but uh, yeah, it was very good. And we're having another special screening on the 29th of this month because uh, the building where we do Filmonic at Federation House near the Printworks uh, has been bought by George Osborne, who's turfing out all of us artists and creative types who uh, have the different floors in the building. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. He's apparently turning it into a tech hub, whatever that means. Tech um, hub. But it's basically, I believe, tech hub is uh, French for uh, artist haters. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I've been doing with my week. Yeah, I just think, you know, obviously we're going to get into a, into the election stuff in uh, in a short while, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty awful, uh, some of the stuff you hear about. And, actually, you posted that uh, picture as well. You saw you that video as well on your Facebook page with that guy getting evicted as well from uh, those those police officers. That was... Uh, yeah, that was pretty harrowing, really, wasn't it? It's, yeah. uh, it's not, not so much police as, as it said, corporate soldiers, but, uh, yeah. again, that's mind, mind you, you, you know, I was looking... It's, uh, I was looking at this video, and I'm not now. I'm not saying any slightest that you know what happened didn't happen or anything like that. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes I do ask for you know context on basically what's going on because I mean, let's keep this in mind. I mean, I mean, we've all, we've all seen horrible YouTube videos of like you know uh, these bailiffs who don't play by the rules, who do all sorts of uh, dirty tricks. You know, we're all 
you know, familiar with those types of people. But at the same time, there are those bailiffs that actually are trying to do good, like, you know, trying to get you know, money back from the taxman and stuff like that, so, you know, who, who should really be paying, you know, money. Or, like, you know, when corporations go bust and uh, the uh, the owner of the company doesn't want to, like, uh, take any responsibility for it and uh, tries to do all sorts of tricks and, and stuff for that. And uh, so, you know, I always take, it, take things like this with a bit of balance, but I'm not saying at all that there aren't some really, you know, bad people out there who are taking, uh, absolutely taking the mick out of people and thinking that they can just boss anyone around yeah absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, josh how's your week been um well it was pretty good because after uh three intense uh very intense rehearsals of jesus christ superstar uh we finally finished after three actually four performances uh it was uh it was a great performance and uh, we stopped performing after uh, a day before easter um the rest of the week i went to school Mm-hmm. Uh, I went, you know, learning some new things, blah, blah, blah. And then today, uh, yesterday, I, went with, I uh, spent some time with my girlfriend, uh, the day before that as well, where I went to Wasabi for some uh, sushi and for some uh, hibachi. Anyone know hibachi, right? Who loves, who loves hibachi? Uh, I've not heard of hibachi. We and, uh, yeah, we, we went to uh, Wasabi uh, after the screening, actually. They've got one at okay. the print works. Um, but no, I don't know this other place. Please do do tell. Okay, so uh, Wasabi was like, uh, yeah, we went, we had some, uh, you know, hibachi where they they serve some, uh, they serve food in front of you. They actually cook it in front of you, which is really oh. very amazing. Yeah, like oh. uh, yeah. That's- Actually, I've actually seen, I mean, I've not been to one of those myself, but uh, I've been to uh, certain restaurants where they do, yeah, you, like, you sit at a table and like the chef's kind of there and he basically cooks it in front of you and then basically serves it to you. So yeah. I, I, I have heard about that in various ways and forms, and uh, but I've not actually seen it myself, which, you know, I really would like to see that, you know, be, be you know, it goes to one of those events and, uh, yeah. yeah. They, they, they said that uh, teppanyaki place um, on Liverpool Street in Manchester, and they do that where you sort of sit round and they've got the the uh, the big metal cooking area, and they'll cook everything, and they'll cook potato discs, and then throw them into your mouth, and you have to catch them, and then throwing <laughs> the eggs great. into their hats, and uh, have, they have one of those metal spatulas. They throw the egg up. Um, and then as the egg comes down, they put the spatula on the side, the egg hits the spatula, breaks in half, and the egg goes onto the, uh, onto the grill. It's, uh, it's quite spectacular to watch. There must be a video game based on that, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> there must be. If not, guys. Oh, man. I, I had heard about this place that's uh, in Manchester somewhere. I can't remember if it was like one of the... Uh, I don't know if it was one of the ones on the Curry Mile or if it was one of the ones on Deansgate. But there is this uh, restaurant where they give you like this platter of meat and uh, give you like this uh, hot plate or whatever and then like, you cook it on like the hot plate and then like for a while and then you eat it. So basically it's your responsibility if you like uh, you undercook your food and poison yourself or whatever. But uh, I mean, yeah, I've heard of... Um, I've heard of places like that. But uh, no, I've not seen I've not seen that one as of yet. So that's one to keep an eye out for. I think when, in, when next time in Manchester. So mm. anyway, so uh, I mean, for myself, um, I've got to be honest. It's been kind of the same kind of the same thing, really. But it's obviously uh, with some of the stuff that I, I'm, we're going to talk about right now. So uh, 
Um, so, I mean, Josh, we'll get the UK general election stuff out of the way so you can have some kind of chance to talk about stuff. But, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, Harry, but uh, obviously the leaders' debates happened uh, two weeks ago and uh, yes. obviously we didn't get a chance to like do like a recap of it or anything like that. But uh, did you manage to uh, catch up on it? Or uh... Yeah, I did. I, I watched uh, I watched lots of the uh, lots of the leaders' debates, sort of like the main highlights from it. Um, if I was going to kind of put it in a nutshell, uh, how I felt about it, um, it seems that sort of the the three that were heading the debate, certainly in my opinion, were the Conservatives, Labour, and UKIP. They were the ones that were kind of batting back a lot of the things that were thrown to them. But I think they all seem to be struggling. All of the uh, all of the parties, they 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 certainly were. Uh, working hard when met with the various questioning. Uh, it's funny though how the Lib Dems, like uh, oh god, I can't even remember his name. That's how insignificant. Nick Clegg. Yeah, Nick Clegg. Yeah, like how whenever he talks now, I just think I literally you, you could promise me, you know, like eternal life for every person who goes into the NHS, and I just wouldn't believe it. Because it, it just yeah. seems to go right over my head, whatever he's saying. And then, of course, we had all the other parties chiming in as well. Um, yeah, like, being... you see these uh, parties all promising all this money, like uh, you know, billion into this, billion into that. You know, you might as well promise everybody one million dollars. <laughs> just hand that out to everybody but you know it's absolutely. still absolutely unbelievable isn't it so yeah uh, you absolutely know. i mean they're always gonna say you know what they want what what we want to hear in in hopes of kind of getting the vote you know and you just hope that one of them might actually be willing to follow through on some of the things that they're saying mm. um well, the one, the one highlight of the night, I think, uh, of that was uh, obviously with the comment that Nigel Farage made, which I obviously got, I got, uh, you know, the BBC uh, interviewed me for that, which I said, you know, what what he said about people with HIV was obviously despicable, and obviously yes. that's uh, made made the made the, re- made the rounds, and so you know, I think obviously he didn't say that, but obviously he was giving like he. This is the thing that Nigel Farage likes to do. He likes to just throw out facts without basically explaining you know what you know what he would do about that fact now you know i don't deny the fact that you know there are people out there who have come from you know countries with you know have, have huge problems with uh, uh, stis stds whatever we're calling them you know sexually transmitted yeah. infections hiv aids that you know i'm i'm not saying that you know that that you know that problem doesn't exist but you know uh, to, to just throw that out there and basically say well and then kind of like dog whistle in a way that you know say that um immigrants or you know these people are a problem and that these are like some kind of burden on the state and kind of because that's what the thing that's what he was trying to do really you know that's, that's yeah. the perception that he gave so you know like you, you can't really it's kind of like you know it's kind of like in that debate and that happened in the debate it's kind of like you know when wayne rooney kicks uh, someone in the leg and then uh, gets a yellow card and he's arguing about it you know to the yeah. referee it's, you know that was kind of nigel farage's kick, kick kicking out of the player and getting a caution it's like you know why are you arguing about it you said this and you know now the offense has been caused and now you have to basically deal with the consequences of it you've been cautioned for it so i think you know it's this it's this sociopathic tendency that he seems to have and what a lot of people in ukip seem to have they seem to want to throw out a lot of like you know what they call truths and facts and things like that and uh, but they don't seem to want to explain exactly you know how would that you know convey into their like government policy or what they would do about it or anything like that they kind of just leave that in the open to say you know 
yeah, well, you know, this exists, you know. It's kind of like them saying, well, you know, a lot of people a couple of thousand years ago used to believe the world is flat. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then he's like, well, are you, what are you suggesting? That, you know, everyone should be taught in schools that the world is flat and not round? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's an old fact. Uh, we've got new ones now, uh, more kind of researched ones. So, yeah, there's, there's no point sort of throwing out old facts. I mean, they may as well have literally just said, you know, if, you, if you're worried about HIV, you know, just don't go around eating monkey meat. Or don't go around sleeping with monkeys. You know, it's yeah. it's, oh. it's it's stupid things like that. And you just think, I'm tell t- tell me how you're going to help improve the country and improve the living for everyone else. Not just say, hey, you know what would be bad. You know, it, and I think that I didn't really feel particularly sold on any of them afterwards. Really, I, I, I'm still not a hundred percent sold on any of the parties, but. I need to make a decision. Um, one of my friends posted um, a link to a website where you can basically compare the policies of all the different parties. You just enter in which parties you're interested in, and then it will bring all of them up on the page. And then you click on whatever subject that you're wanting to look at, like education, crime, um, jobs, and it will basically list underneath each of the parties that you're interested in what their yeah. policies are. Well, I've, uh, I've been playing around with the uh, you know the Shaker Maker. I don't know if you've seen that on Sky News's website. It's basically where you can play around with the opinion polls. You can then you then click the button and basically that it, like does like the shake like shakes the screen or whatever. It's kind of like what you know their variation of like do a barrel roll on Google. Right. And uh, the, basically what it does is it creates the what might be the possible coalition of the parties that it might make up. So I said, for example, let's say, for example, the, the Labour Party and the Conservative Party became, like, 4% unpopular. And so basically each each dropped, like, 4% and became, like, you know, like, 28% each or 29% or whatever. And UKIP gained in support and, uh, you know, such and such. Even yeah. with that, uh, apparently, according to the data, um, UKIP would still be stuck with its two MPs that it's currently got right now and uh, would have to basically be propping up a uh, a conservative DUP UKIP kind of mess, really, of uh, mm-hmm. the type of uh, government that uh, came out when uh, I played around with the numbers. But uh, obviously the numbers that I'm currently looking at right now is basically, you know, it's going to be um, either, you know, it's a Tory minority government or, you know, Labour and the SNP doing some kind of key deal, which uh, everyone's kind of afraid of right now. But uh, Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, she, she did, did seem to be kissing a lot of bottom that night, really, didn't she? Nicola Sturgeon. The, uh, well, yeah. I think, you know, in her tiny world i think uh, obviously which is scotland um this it, it's i think obviously she just wants some kind of i think the end game for her is basically she wants uh, to run scotland the way she wants to run scotland and obviously you know wants to uh, uh, say oh i want another independence referendum yada 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 and uh, actually i recently heard um like there was some kind of rumor currently going around that apparently the snp one of their uh, secret policies that they currently want to do is they want to like scrap the bbc in Scotland right. and replace it with their own state broadcaster, which uh, in a way frightens me a little bit because we all know what happens when governments get hold of their own media and, uh, you know, we obviously we, we, it's uh, used to their own ends. I mean, I believe it was uh, Nicholas Sarkozy who used... Uh, uh, mind you, I think I think Fran- France 24 was a private broadcaster, I believe. But um, 
you know, it's like, you, you know when, what happens when... I'm not saying they're going to go, like, all North Korea and, you know, they're going to have, like, uh, you know, Scotsman announcing, you know, the... the <laughs> Scotland, impen- like North Korea. No, yeah, the, 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 you know, having, like, announcers, you know, impending, you know say, announcing the impending doom of England or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, that, in a way, you know, kind of play... You can look into the psyche, if that's going to be true, of uh, of the SNP, and you think, you know, they want to be this, uh, this own collective and uh, play by their own rules and... And, and things like that and even despite the fact that we've just had a, a referendum that basically said you know the majority of scots want to stay in the stay in britain yeah absolutely yeah i don't i, I again that's a whole discussion in itself but the the idea of scotland breaking away from everyone else it just it's it's a shame that there appears to be a lot of this division um not just in scotland and the uk but like I think we've talked about it before. There's kind of like an underlying sense of people wanting to kind of break apart. And I don't know what it is. Like on large scales and small scales, people just seem to be alienating themselves from each I'll other. I'll tell you again. one thing it could be, and that is that uh, people have completely lost their faith in Westminster. Yeah, I, mean, like, I, mean, I, uh, I mean, if you think about it, what, what has been the uh, the main events that have happened over these past five years? And not very many of them have taken place inside that cathedral. Sorry, in that inside that uh, palace. It's, yeah. uh, it's in that Parliament building. It's uh, taking place in Scotland. It's taking place here in in Manchester. Now that we're going to have some kind of like devolved powers or something or other, apparently. And uh, it really, the um, this uh, the political events of this country have more taken part outside the uh, the Westminster Westminster bubble. That yeah. uh, you know is referred to, and uh, I think politicians, at least from the uh, perspective of the people in this country, is that they've not taken that on board, and now they feel that they want to bring people in who do understand that, who do understand the uh, issues that are currently going on across the country uh, that yeah. aren't happening within the Westminster bubble. You know, out of the spin rooms and the uh, you know even dare I say the boardrooms of yeah, uh, of, of companies. Absolutely, yeah. So there is that feeling in the air at the moment, but there's part of me that believes it's sort of directed in 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 the wrong way. Because uh, you remember the time, you know, obviously, well, now uh, probably Josh, you probably relate to it more than we do. But obviously, there was the uh, the whole Tea Party thing that uh, kicked off, you know, uh, when Bush was leaving office and when Obama came in, and immediately it seemed to have aligned itself with the Republican Party, which was the party they fell out with in the first place and, you know, was aligning itself, you know, against the Democrats, but was seemed to have found itself caught up within the whole, you know, uh, conservative side of uh, the Repo- of the RNC. And, you know, that seems to, at least in my opinion, seems to have fall- been a big mistake, fallen flat, and it's uh, kind of uh, knocked out of play any chance of uh, any other of your you know, smaller parties of uh, having a go at uh, trying to challenge the Democrats and the Republican uh, the Republican bases. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably explain that probably better than you can to me. But, uh... <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just, I'm not like the, I'm not a politics kind of guy. I guess I, I don't listen to the news much because it's just too negative, but yeah, uh, I, I'm not like a, so like I said, I'm not like a big, but I know that uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, George Bush or Obama, just like many other Americans no. or anyone around or anyone on this planet whatsoever. But you look at, I mean, I would like to, you know, I really like to like to involve you in the conversation, you know, Josh, because uh, I mean, now 
you got three um, people are currently uh, making the um, made made the announcement to run for president of the United States, which is Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Hillary Clinton today. I mean, does any? I mean, even there's even rumors currently going around that uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Susan uh, Susan Warren is it? Uh, is that? I think that's her name. But is are there any of these names resonate with you in regards to uh, you know being a presidential figure that you can relate to? I don't know. I I I don't think I can relate to any of them because let's see. For one thing, I don't know what when I think of Hillary Clinton as president, I think. Uh, what is she gonna do? <laughs> because I don't know what she's because I don't know what she's gonna do. I don't know if she's really gonna succeed anything. But Obama said he would uh, turn the country, turn America into a different place, and it's not really a different place at the moment. It's kind of they're using Obamacare, which doesn't even work, uh, <laughs> for what I've heard. Uh, they used, uh, I don't know, they, they just didn't, like, I can't really uh, relate to anyone. I mean, I know Obama, I don't think he's running again. No, he's, well, no, no, he's, he's uh, not. He's, he's already got his two terms, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but. What is um, to you, just because he actually, he sounds like Obama, you know, he captured the imagination of very many young people. Yeah, he, for, yeah. to the sounds of yourself, he sounds like he's been a massive letdown for yourself. Uh. It's kind of like it's. I've just haven't heard a lot of uh, good things about him, from what I've heard. Pretty much, I think. You, I mean, you've heard maybe you've heard from different people uh, the positive things about him, but like in I live in Pennsylvania, and not a lot of people in my state are big fans of Obama. Like, <laughs> I believe he's a Republican state, so uh, yeah, I'd probably imagine it wouldn't be wouldn't be that big. But uh, right. I mean. Well, I mean, do they have a good opinion of politics in general? Because, you know, again, I'm not very familiar with Pennsylvania, except for uh, when, uh, you know, the wrestling was pretty big there back in the 90s. That's the only thing I really do relate to in regards to Pennsylvania. So, I mean, I mean what, what what do you... I mean, obviously, you don't seem to hear too much about politics. I mean, does anyone uh, around around you talk about these things? Or? No, um, they. I, I don't have family members that do. My some of my family members are religious. My mom and my stepdad are uh, two are two beings that are raising a five year old girl, so uh, they're not really into politics. The only thing I've heard uh, my stepdad say about my about Obama was while he was picking me up at the airport, and Obama was at the airport, and I think. Uh, there was a lot of traffic going on where my stepdad was picking me up, and he says, "Thanks to Obama, we've had traffic," mm. like <laughs> sarcastically. And it's like it's kind of like the joke is everyone's been blaming Obama for a lot of things going on. I don't, I think it's just I don't. It's that's all I've been hearing yeah. about. You reckon your stepdad was just play along with a joke, really, rather than basically you know insinuating that uh, you know At Obama's time, been more of a, an obstacle rather than you know help to the country. At the same time, he was uh, complaining about the traffic, and mm. I think he just needed someone to blame. <laughs> As we all but, do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's interesting. I mean, going back to, uh, you know, our situation at the moment, Harry, I mean, I don't, I don't really like, we look at all these parties, and, you know, to me, I mean, I know who I'm going to be voting for at the, at the next, in the next election, you know, obviously for personal reasons rather than, uh, you know, political runs. Yeah. But uh, I mean, if I didn't have that, 
I've got to be honest with you, I'd be very stuck to see who I might consider, you know, uh, voting for in the, ne- in the next, uh, you know, should, the, you know, my, the, my person who I'm going to be voting for not, you know, bother standing for another term. I mean, I'll be looking at this and thinking, hmm, you know, where do I go now? And, you know, the one thing, I, one of the positive things that seems to have come out of the uh, the kind of disenfranchisement of, of politics at the moment is the uh, the amount of independent candidates that are now uh, having a go at standing, which, you know, you've got uh, this new party that seems to come up, come up called the Reality Party. You've got other parties that come up like the Stand Up and Be Counted or uh, various other ones, National, Ac- National Ac- Action Health Party and uh, uh, these other ones that are now coming up now. Uh, for people to uh, digest and see if that's something they can uh, uh, they can back. So, you know, I think I mean, would independent candidates, uh, at least in our opinions, would they uh, would they force any type of change, even if they wouldn't get themselves elected? Yeah, it's um, it, it's a weird one, isn't it? I did, there's always this talk of change. That's the main thing. Everybody, it's strange how. The one thing that the collective seems to want more than anything is something that human beings by nature hate. You know, like people don't like it when when there is change. People like the, the status quo to remain as is. But ultimately, things are always changing and, you know, things will evolve naturally, socially Things evolve, culturally things evolve, um, whether we like it or not. Uh, I think that if one is to truly uh, kind of enforce changes but for for good, um, then everyone really has to kind of be on the same page. And that's the hard bit, you know, because I think everyone's pretty much in agreement that a lot of the banks should give us back our money, you know, and that a lot of these big companies should give back some money. And a lot of the people who are being paid all these bonuses and all this extra money should give back some of that money. And it seems that it's one of these things where everyone talks about it, but then nothing ever really gets done about it. And yeah, I mean, it, we talk about, I mean, obviously we talk about this issue with the banks. The counter-narrative to that always has to be that, you know, oh, you want it to uh, raise the deficit? Well, it's not going to raise the deficit. There's no point raising it, which makes me makes absolutely no sense. If there's still that money there to be claimed, why don't claim it anyway? Yeah. At least try and do something with it, and it's kind of like what you know. Uh, you know, I'm no fan of Russell Brand uh, in any sense. You know, when he was telling people not to go out to vote, I thought that was absolutely insane. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like uh, you know, it's like, do you not learn from history? I mean, do you remember in Germany when uh, that certain guy with that funny mustache and that crazy uniform, uh, when all those people got disenfranchised and uh, you know the Nazis swept to power in a democratic election? I mean, it was. Uh, very stupid move to yeah. to announce that, uh, given the political fallout that that's caused in in times gone by. But uh, I mean, with uh, you know, going back to Russell Brand, you know, he did say, you know, when he was poor and he talked about inequality, people said that he was bitter. And uh, but when he became rich and talked about inequality, uh, they said that um, he was uh, they said he was like preaching to basically pre- pre- being uh, oh, what was the word. Um, Basically, he was saying he was saying that you know uh, he was only saying that because well you don't have to worry about anything because you're rich 
So you don't. I don't know why you're complaining about it. And uh, he took the. Uh, you know, Russell Brand has the perception that you know he was complaining about it when he was poor, and he said he was bitter. When he was, he was complaining about it when now we're like he's rich, and people saying that you know he was hypocritical or whatever. And he came to the conclusion that nobody seems to want to talk about inequality, which yeah. you know safely we can say we're all in agree with. Why does nobody want to talk about this? Yeah, I know it's it's strange, isn't it? Like, uh, how how do you? go about organizing that you know it, it's 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 a tough one isn't there they, they can't be sort of like a thing going, right everybody we're all going to sit down we're all going to talk about this uh, everyone because everybody needs to have their say uh, so everyone uh, if you could get on skype we're going to have a kind of uh, a national skype call and everyone is going to get at least two minutes to say what they think you know and it, it, it's a real tough one so we have to have people kind of Represented on behalf of the people. Yeah, um, I mean the problem and- is, is that this is a this is a conversation that not many people are going to want to talk about. So I mean, I remember seeing something like this, uh, you know, a while back ago on uh, you know the big questions, which is a BBC show on Sunday mornings. Um, yeah. They have like the the panel and everything like that. And uh, when they had one, when they had one of the discussions, when the discussion came up about inequality, I mean, you had representatives from uh, government think tanks, which you know is the very people that are basically telling the politicians not to talk about this in the first place. You've mm-hmm. got you know religious figures from, and as we all know, you know uh, church numbers in this country are still declining, even though there's now a rising evangelical movement, which. Uh, you know, and also yeah. you had, uh, you know, then you had the, the, you know, the imam, which you know, to be, you know, to be fairly played, you know, there right now, Islam is currently one of the, uh, uh, one of the most active uh, religious communities in this country. So you know, you could safely say he had a good opinion on this, but uh, and also, you know, Muslims are naturally charitable, and uh, but everyone else, you felt like when you were sitting on this panel and you were uh, looking at basically how it was all orchestrated and stuff it just kind of felt like you know this is just a discussion that's you know going to pass by for 20 minutes and then no one's going to think of it again and that's exactly what it was yeah absolutely that's what that's what happens with all these things isn't it it's like they just sort of they people talk about it and you go well good job you know i'm glad we talked about that but then nothing ever happens no it's like there's not a kit there's not a situation where yeah they'll they'll sit down They'll talk about it and go right. So where do we go from here? They'll just go. Oh, yeah, that's actually that's pretty good that we've uh, we've actually just uh, that we've talked about that and that you know we're all uh, that we're all you know thinking on the same page. It's um, I don't know. It, it, it's yeah. Someone yeah. tries to engage the uh, the conversation. Obviously, we've had this whole debacle over you know the zero hours contracts. You know, mm. the people are currently on at the moment, and uh, obviously, they're you know some of the stories you hear about them are absolutely you know horrendous. And yet, you know, Labour will start the conversation about you know oh zero hour contracts are not very good, and then the counter narrative will suddenly appear out of the blue, and it's like oh well look at all these fifty eight Labour MPs, you know that have got all these people on zero hour contracts, no, 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 no. and it's like it kind of drags it away from the. Uh, from the the conversation and makes this about you know once again the Labour Party versus the Conservative Party and it just gets lost in the mess mm. and you know the, and the media don't seem to want to kind of you know uh, bring people back to the uh, to, to the original point which is the fact you know should we have zero hours contracts or not and which you know in my opinion we shouldn't do but yeah. that then gets lost in the in the mess and. Between between the Labour Party and the Conservative Party, and then all the other parties join in, and really the obviously that you know the, this whole thing then just stops. 
it just doesn't happen because you know it's got lost in this mess and it's uh polit- it then turns into kind of a political hot potato to uh, talk about this, and therefore they take the safety view of basically saying, well, let's have a discuss about it across the edges, let's blame a few people in other rival parties, and then let's never speak of it again because we've already got the votes. Well, do you know that kind of, you know, that's a good summing up of, you know, the, the sort of political debate. It's just, it now tends to be more and I think, you know, it could probably be said for the case in America as well. It just seems to be they come out and they go, well, you shouldn't vote for this guy because he's a shithead and he's this and the other. And the other one goes, well, you shouldn't vote for him because he's a knob jockey, you know. And it's not yeah. like they're not actually telling you what they're going to do for you. They're just saying about, oh, if you if you vote for them or you vote for them, everything's going to be worse, you know. So like, I'm not interested. Well, even I then, I mean, Josh, as you were saying before, the... Uh, the, the 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 content that you are given is so negative, and yeah. uh, you know you've no, but then it becomes to a point where you know the would you, well, I mean would you say the politicians have lost you forever because of basically what's happened in the last couple of years? Uh, yeah, they just like uh, <clears throat> they think that uh, things have gone. They think most things have gone wrong rather than gone right because of President Obama. They. Uh, they just think, you know, they've all they've uh, said was negative things about him. They've, uh, like you said, I think it's because it's a Republican party, uh, because most of the most of the residents in Pennsylvania are Republicans, and I don't, I don't know exactly the rest of it. It's just they, they're just, uh, they think a lot of things have gone wrong. They've, and I, I I'm trying. I thought I was gonna say something, but I forgot what it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's always something like that. Why do I always? Why is it? Is it, like? Do you know how that feels when you realize you're going to say something but you forget? Yeah, yeah I hate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to tie knots in my handkerchief. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, it's like your brain t- turns around to you and says, uh, "Oh, well, I've got I've got this thought for you," and it's like, "Oh yeah, what is it?" For you. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, uh, oh, that's a good one. I heard that one before. <laughs> good old space balls. Yeah, it's good old space balls. Yeah, I just think you know. Obviously, you know. To conclude this, obviously, it's more a very ne- mind you. Uh, the whole thing was about negative campaigning, and obviously, we've gone round the bat, around the bat with this. And uh, yeah. you know, you've, as I tell you, what the um, the biggest one out of all of this, and this has stuck out like a sore thumb for weeks, has been that. Uh, have you seen the Labour Party? Uh, what they've described as the Barbie bus. The no, uh, the, no basically, it's a. Uh, it's a bus that uh, they they're currently riding around with, basically to get women voters, and it's basically painted pink, and it's currently uh, driving around. And apparently, the aim of this campaign is to uh, talk about uh, not the women who are currently in the boardroom, but the women who are around actually in the kitchen, which they believe is for some stupid fucking reason. They believe that's where women currently, you know, mainly reside. Despite the fact that we're in like a, you know, one, we just came off one of the massive rece- massive recessions in uh, in years, and uh, currently, you know, I don't know anybody who's currently in a relationship right now that doesn't have a, uh, a, a you know, a, a female, you know, uh, relation relation currently in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, right. it's like it's uh, so you know, Labour Party is currently going around the country with a stupid pink bus, and John Oliver was actually making fun of it on uh, last week tonight on HBO. So uh, that's on YouTube at the moment. So if I'll put, a, I'll, put a, I'll try and post a link on that when uh, when I get the opportunity for it. But uh, you know, 
yeah, it's like there's just uh, they, they, these parties are just so desperate and they just don't know how to relate to people. You know, same no. same same thing in the United States, same thing here. There and uh, people are wondering, you know, why you know these uh, smaller other parties. You know, why Scotland could get uh, you know uh, swallowed up by the Scottish National Party, why UKIP could do well in the South, and why other parties could you know pick at the. Uh, the kind of the, the 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 animated the reanimated corpses of these parties. You know, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, uh... it's all it's all kind of gimmicky, rubbishy stuff, really, isn't it? I, that's what I mean. I, I think I've I sat, I've watched it. I'm still not sold on anyone. The one that I was, you know, the one that I'm thinking of voting for. I'm trying to watch as much sort of YouTube clips. I'm trying to read as much on them as I can. But even them, you know, I'm still not. I you know I don't feel like I can kind of give myself over to it. The I'm problem still- with that is is that actually, that's another part of it as well. It's like the uh, yeah. you know obviously we live in the twenty uh, four hour um, the twenty four hour media uh, coverage you know the social media on top of that as well, yeah. and we have all these um, aspects now, and it kind of gives us uh, you know an impossible notion not to see. Uh, I'm not saying that this isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying it's not a you know a, a bad thing. But, um, you know, now you see not just the positives of something, you see the negative, you see a lot of the negatives of it as well. So obviously you saw Nicola Sturgeon walk out of that uh, leaders debate doing pretty well. And then all of a sudden here comes, uh, you know, this uh, uh, mysterious document that appears for, for the French ambassador saying that he, she would actually prefer David Cameron to be prime minister of the United Kingdom, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the allegation currently that they both, you know, both the French ambassador and uh, uh, Nicola Sturgeon deny, which uh, so it's... Uh, that's still currently ongoing but um you know you see the minute someone starts putting their you see the minute someone starts gathering momentum i mean you've obviously seen you know the stuff with plaid cymru uh there's some like some nationalist stuff out there that's not pretty nice and uh, obviously you saw the rise of ukip and then all of a sudden you know just seeing uh i tell you what you saw like uh it's kind of like planes in the sky and uh, you know, here comes the media with the anti-aircraft guns, and you just see like planes of like UKIP just getting shot out of the sky, and uh, you know, and uh, and stuff like that. And uh, you know, if you want to put in a World War Two reference in there, you know, like uh, UKIP likes to do. But yeah. uh, it's like you know, you just see like what oh, um, we've had guys who say that you know God uh, created floods for punishing gays. You've seen you know di- um, people who uh, you know you've seen one guy being outed on Facebook for uh, making fun of autistic people on 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 social media. You've seen another guy who uh, basically thinks that the uh, the dragon on the Welsh flag is the sign of the devil. Um, he's just all yeah. these crazy people then start coming out of the wood start just coming out of this uh or being you know pointed out to this uh this party and uh you know the same thing now happen- happening with other parties the same thing happened with the lib dems when clegmania was was good and uh you know and which is kind of sad really because now you know any party can now bring new ideas to the table but there will still be some guy there saying "Ooh, ooh, look over there there's something else that you know you need to know about and stuff like that yada 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 and i'm not saying that's not, that's not a bad thing but uh uh, I'm not saying that's not a good thing, sorry, uh, but um, you know that that in itself plays a bit of a negative role within our political system in itself. The fact mm. that there's you know where, where there's going to be a couple of few people that'll say some good things, there's going to be a whole lot of people who are going to say a lot of negative things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 like anything. Whenever like like you say, when someone looks like they're kind of gearing up to be maybe quite 
useful and good at their job, then yeah, the media will come in and try and find something to rubbish them with. And I think that you know that's always going to happen. I think that if these leaders are as good as they say, they should be able to give back as good as they get, really, yeah. and try and keep keep their composure because you know that's what a lot of these interviewers and journalists will do is they'll try and purposely like you know throw them off course or interrupt them or you know give them put them on the spot i think more than anything just put them on the spot and see how they cope and if they're good enough they should be able to cope yeah and mind you Rupert murdoch no doubt is going to play a massive role in uh, making sure that uh, you know david cameron looks whiter than white so uh, even though yeah. even though the uh, you know the, the genie's already out of the bottle or uh, you <laughs> know the uh, the uh, the skeletons have already you know uh, walked out of the closet and started like doing a jamboree outside you know it's just it's uh, yeah, it's uh, that. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> and, uh, there's uh, barely anything sound, good to say about this. That, like you know, that, it's, yeah, it's, that's, and, that's, and normally I would be excited about these elections and things like that, like I was, you know, a couple of years ago. You know, ever since Tony Blair came into office, I've always been, you know, really interested in the election uh, that you know that we've had every every five years. And, you know, I was really disappointed when, you know, Gordon Brown came in and then there was no election, uh, you know, before, you know, his, uh, you know, woeful uh, tenure in office. Uh, but this time around, you know, I'm looking at this now and I don't feel as optimistic. I don't feel as, uh, I don't feel that passion for it no more. Maybe it's because yeah. I'm no longer in the Liberal Democrats and I'm not kind of, you know, feeding off the, uh, the you know, the energy that all the other, you know, party members had, you know, all those years ago. And but now I just feel like, you know, there's nothing there to look forward to, really. It's just, you know, whatever's going to happen, it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah. So it's uh... yeah, I, yeah, I don't really feel uh, hopeful for uh, for what's on the horizon. But what can we do? You're yeah. just going to have to go with it, you know, whatever happens. Well, there's one thing I'll definitely say to everybody, even though things are looking pretty bad now, uh, you're better off having a say than not having a say at all. So uh, I would I would, reg- I would, tell everybody, you still got till the thir- 20th of April, get out there and register to vote. Even if you're not even going to vote, let me tell you something, uh, I actually found out that uh, on one of my credit scores that I currently keep, you know, because I always keep an eye on credit score, you know, in case I need to, uh, you know, borrow some money or something like that, you know, apparently that counts as a really good thing towards your credit score because apparently they take that into account if you're on the electoral roll and they'll, like, peak it up a little bit. So even if you're not even going to vote, you might as well register to vote and get, you know, basically, so then you can turn around, you know, every time you want to borrow some money, like, say, well, yeah, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the electoral roll, so, you know, I can at least prove who I am and, you know, and, and such and such so yeah. you know at least do that for, for at least that but even then when you get your polling card get out to the polling station get out to vote you know I do agree it's like you know it's not like voting in X Factor or voting on The Voice or whatever you know uh, you rather you know one of these days pick up a phone just put in tap a couple of buttons and you know uh, a couple of taps on the screen and there you voted you know I would rather have that uh, myself you know uh, on top of like having the polling stations and stuff but yeah. uh, you know until then, you know, go go to the, go to the go into Google, type in register to vote. It's on the uh, .gov.uk website, I believe, and uh, get out, get put yourself down, register to vote. You got till the twentieth of April to do it, so get out there, make your voice heard, and uh, you know, there's quite a lot of it. You know, even if you don't like the big three, and you completely despise Nigel Farage. Uh, there, there's still you know check your candidate candidate list and see if you've got an independent candidate there because if that independent yeah. candidate's there he would really love your vote 
And, you know, to, uh, because let me tell you something, the, the, you give a fair play to these uh, independent candidates who want to stand up for their communities. They're putting huge amounts of money on the line to basically put themselves on the ballot paper and have a somewhat have a chance uh, doing this. And I do admit there's not been a, a massive upset victory for an independent candidate since, you know, the uh, foundations of the, uh, of, the, of the National Health Action Party. But, uh, you know, get out there... Get, get registered to vote. Give a support to an independent candidate if you don't feel you want to vote for a party, and give that guy give that guy your voice, and give yeah. that guy because at least then he can say, well, you know, I came bottom of the election, but at least I kept my deposit. So, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, you know, give, give put put a smile on an independent candidate uh, this 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 time of the election, and uh, register to vote. And if you don't feel like you want to vote for any of the big parties, vote for that guy, and you know, make him the lucky loser of the night. Yeah, sure. And maybe he might buy you a beer. I don't know, but you know, obviously, uh, he he won't he won't probably won't do that because he doesn't want to get into any trouble for, with the with the election police. Yeah. So yeah, we'll move away from that. Um, <laughs> this next subject is uh, quite interesting because you know there's been this huge uh, hullabaloo with uh, mainly with uh, libertarians, mainly with uh, people who don't approve of this sort of thing. Careful now. Uh, the Colorado uh, has raised over forty-seven million dollars. Uh, in marijuana revenue at the end of 2014 now. How have they done that? Basically, you can smoke marijuana in the state of Colorado, I believe. Uh, oh. That was um, that was brought in as legislation uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, the rewards appear to be, be reaping at the moment for the state of Colorado because now they're getting because uh, now that they sell this stuff they now have to but now they have to like pay a tax as well kind of like we pay tax on cigarettes and things like that and alcohol or whatever and now with uh, thanks to all the uh, all your stoner friends who were uh, you know uh, getting the hash out and uh, doing their bit for uh, for the tax man apparently now uh, 47 million dollars are now in the coffers of uh, the state of Colorado so uh, hey uh, good times for them so Wow, forty-seven million. That's uh, that's very high. Get it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's just There's a taxi yeah. waiting outside for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, no, this uh, is the thing that is like because um, for myself, you know, again, I don't like marijuana. I don't like you know. I've seen it being smoked and stuff like that, and it is a disgusting kind of experience just to watch it let alone you know have think of the idea of smoking it and uh so for me i i just would not i would not want to be i wouldn't i wouldn't like legalize it myself but i can understand why some people would so but that's just my personal thing that's the reason i don't stand for elections and things like that because i think a lot of people don't want to agree. i wouldn't live in colorado uh, sorry i wouldn't live in colorado uh well uh why because of uh why not I don't know because uh, if they, they uh, legalize marijuana, and well, first of all, I don't believe marijuana is right either. Uh, but uh, if they're going to legalize marijuana down there, what else are they going to legalize? Murder? That's not going to be good. Uh, well, no, there's a difference between marijuana and murder. I mean, uh, well, no. you're more likely to kill somebody, uh, you know, being uh, drunk off of your ass, really, than you are being stoned right. off your face. But. Uh, uh, I can't believe I managed to put that together, but uh, um, you know, like, for me, I can I can understand why some people would want to you know smoke marijuana and stuff like that. I prefer preferably wouldn't go touch it in a million years, 
But uh, I don't know really. I have mixed opinions of whether you know it should be legalized or not. But uh, obviously, you can see there is some uh, you know financial reward for uh, for doing so. So uh, I don't know really. Well, so it's one of those that you know I can understand the benefits of it, but for me, uh, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't personally you know like it really. You know, I definitely if I was like living in a, like an apartment building, like the person next door was smoking it, and you can like smell it from like uh, you know the air conditioning and stuff. Yeah, why seven million dollars? Sorry, what were you going to say, Harry? No, no, I I was just I I was going to well just carry on with your point because I'm I'm still trying to build mine in my head at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, mind you, just how would you feel about marijuana? I mean, well, I mean, I've got a lot of friends who uh, smoke weed. Um, I myself, in the past, have uh, partaken of it. it doesn't really bother me. Uh, it doesn't do a lot for me either. Um, I think that there are other drugs uh, that certainly wouldn't be uh, good. Um, I think it's probably one of the more mellow of the different drugs. Uh, I was looking at some uh, stories that have been posted. Again, I need to read a bit more on it before um, before I'm sort of convinced that it might be an actual fact. But they were t- talking about the fact that. Um, that weed can uh, destroy uh, cancer cells. Uh, but again, this is a couple of stories that have been posted. I think probably need to look into it a little bit more. Yeah. And no doubt if there is any truth in it, they'll probably be trying to keep it under wraps because it's still classed as an illegal substance. But I think that, um, I think that, I don't know. I mean, for me personally, the I think that alcohol would be... Uh, a far more uh, harmful substance than uh, something like weed. Um, yeah, it's, it's and, and I mean, and that and that's legal. Um, again, I I don't know whether I would want it completely banned because I think in the right hands you can enjoy alcohol. You know, it's it's not it's, uh, it's not wholly sort of destructive again it's all about people rather than the substance uh, mm. and uh, i think that uh, i think there are certainly worse things to be involved in like there are worse narcotics to be involved in um, oh yeah there is so uh so yeah so i mean it doesn't necessarily bother me as much and um if if there's a way that it can be kind of uh utilized to kind of help balance the books a bit then again providing that all the information is made clear. Uh, I think it was John Lydon who was saying about, you know, as long as all information on these things is completely available and everything is transparent and nothing's hidden and people are aware of, you know, what this is and what it does, what the benefits can be, what the side effects can be, as long as all that information is made clear to people, then I don't necessarily see the problem with it. I think yeah. that people. I think. Should... I think when we, when we um, I think you hear about the, all these harmful side effects of uh, of of marijuana and stuff, and uh, that's just from uh, people who've had like a really negative effects towards it. Which you know, if you think about it, I mean, th- these drugs when they were being you know when they were being analysed were you know let's face it, they were not created with like any, to any standard or created to any type of. Uh, you know, it's like it's not like in you know, you know like Breaking Bad, where you know you see uh, you know Walter 
Walter White, is it? Yeah, he's like, you know, you see him like cooking the, uh, the, the like the crack and the cocaine or whatever, and uh, you know, doing it like in the laboratory and uh, you know, like making it really pure and stuff like that. You know, a couple of years ago, that was not the case. Basically, it was like, oh well, you know, do this with it, do that with it, and you know, mix it in with some like uh, you know some other stuff with it and uh, yeah just throw it out there and sell it for money or whatever you know no care or quality was ever put into this into this uh, no you know i'd be really surprised if any care or quality or any type of like uh, quality check or anything like that was put into it was put into like illegal substances that gangs were uh, putting out to uh, make as much money as possible so you know you hear about all these um testimonies like all the negative effects of like uh, uh, of these drugs and things like that but if you think about it we've never really i mean i, I mean maybe i might be wrong about the research but uh, i mean we've never really had like a fair test where basically it's like okay you know well here's all these here's all these drugs they're being professionally manufactured and they're being inspected to some kind of government or some kind of you know commercial standard and making sure that basically, you know, nobody can, like, either, like, get be permanently harmed or, like, kind of die from these substances and base these substances on their merits. Now, to you know, if you look at... Obviously, we've, uh, you know, over the years, we've had, like... Uh, we know tobacco is harmful for us because, obviously, it's, you know, it's been, it's been produced... And we can't say it's not been produced to a professional standard. It's not been, like, you know, produced with, like, uh, I don't know, floor cleaner in it or anything like that. Uh, when, you know, at least uh, as far as I know, for, you know... When, yeah, I was going to say, as far yeah, as we know. As far uh, as we know, yeah. But, you know, if... Uh, it's kind of like saying, you know, uh, imagine if meat was banned, and, you know, people were like, well, illegally getting meat, and then they find, well, oh, well, you shouldn't eat meat because it's got, like, this uh, terrible horse meat in it or something like that, or, uh, you know, but you wouldn't have, like, a clear idea of what good meat was because, obviously, you know, it was illegal, no one had a, the ability to produce meat you know, uh, properly. So, you know, you don't know what your idea of standard meat would be. Yeah. Well, again, like I say, everything needs to be transparent. They need to go, okay, fair enough. Here's everything you need to know on this particular substance. Uh, You've got all the information there to your, you know, to your disposal. Make of it what you will. And, you know, and then you as an adult can make an informed decision. I certainly would stick by... The, the same laws uh, as is the laws with cigarettes and alcohol that it shouldn't be readily available or sellable to anyone who is underage and not obviously in the right frame of mind to kind of make an informed adult decision. Um, so, but I think, like you say, it's it's a tough one because have have they ever really tested it? And I mean, let's let's not be fair. Uh, sorry, let's be fair, rather. Um, the, a lot of, uh, particularly politicians who were always talking about the evils of drugs, I would probably hazard that most of them will have partaken and probably still partake in lots and lots of uh, paraphernalia themselves when they're, when they're behind closed doors. Um, I think a lot of it is more about the, the business aspects of it. I, I certainly don't think that uh, people are keeping it out of our hands because they actually have a genuine concern for our welfare, same as yeah. a lot of these things. you know, Health and safety regulations don't exist because people are worried about us getting hurt. They're worried about them getting sued. So... I don't know. I just think that of all of the narcotics, I think that weed is the one that really, um, you know, and, I, and again, I say it's very, very guardedly, uh, the one that you know, we shouldn't still be kind of worrying about because it's, it's really, I think, 
when you've experienced it yourself, it, it's really not as mental as a lot of people make out. Again, it's no. all down to how it's used or how it's abused. Um, yeah. I mean, personally, and- I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't use cannabis at all. You know, even if it was legal or not. And um, I mean, I mean, mind you, I think the only, you know, in regards to the drug debate as a whole, I think the only way we're ever going to be able to see, I mean, I know they did like the whole, you know, uh, what, you remember Jon Snow on Channel 4 when he like uh, tested uh, like substances and like he like you could see him like kind of just like looked like he was a bit dead inside and he said like his soul had basically been sucked from his body or something like that and uh, yeah. yeah he's obviously never had it before yeah or, i mean yeah, <laughs> oh, or, he was or, having been a particularly bad trip on that case i'm surprised he didn't pull a whitey but uh, uh, well, i mean for me um I, I don't know like the only really i mean amsterdam was probably uh uh, probably a good way of measuring whether you know legalizing all substances was going to be a good thing or not. And obviously now the uh, the the government there is now starting to like kind of pull back on the those those liberties a little bit because they think maybe not all drugs are all are all that crack what they're cracked up to be. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, not yeah. all drugs, not all drugs. I think that it's a case that you know there are you know of course there are some that you definitely don't want to be involved in. But then you know I would I would argue that. Like I say, alcohol is a very uh, destructive drug. Um, I would say that sugar is a pretty destructive uh, drug. It's one that a lot of people wouldn't take seriously, but I think that you know an addiction to sugar can be just as bad for your health than you know feeling a bit off your head on weed could be. You know, you're looking at things like diabetes, obesity, uh, heart problems, all these things that come from sugar. It's just that with those things. It can take longer, but ultimately things like that. And caffeine as well. You know, I'm if I was going to put down any addiction on my papers, I would say that, you know, I, I like to drink a lot of coffee. Uh, I used to like drinking a lot of Coca-Cola as well, but I don't drink Coke anymore. Um, you know, Coca-Cola, I found out, has got, uh, you know, carcinogenic properties. It's got the same stuff that's used in napalm in it. You know, and is uh, that diet coke you're talking about, or the because uh, the that, diet the diet coke right now is used by some uh, by some some garages to uh, clean out uh, oil uh, oil yeah. oil stains out of out of engines. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah uh, diet, it, diet coke in particular is a, a pretty uh, a pretty nasty uh, pretty nasty uh, thing, and I used to drink a bottle a day. Hmm. Um, and I feel a lot better for kicking it now, but certainly caffeine is one that I do partake of quite regularly. But again, I just try and make sure that you know I'm having sensible really, amounts. Even, of even then, you'd grow out of it because uh, I mean, if you if you look at it, they still put in like uh, well, like, is it like six to ten teaspoons of sugar in uh, like one bottle or whatever. And mm. uh, you know, it's like when you're a kid. I mean, obviously you thrive off that, but when you get older. I mean, you just want to slow down. I mean, you don't want to do that the entire time. So it's very rarely now that I, you know, uh, drink, you know, a massive amount of fizzy drinks or anything like that because, you know, my my body is basically just telling me every time I have, like, you know, a half a bottle or something like that, like, dude, you got to slow down. You can't handle this stuff. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, it's starting to get to that point, which is, uh, I don't know if it's quite worrying or if, uh, you know, that's maybe <laughs> me growing up. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I guess we're a bit on the fence about whether uh, you know this has been a good thing for Colorado or not. No doubt, uh, um, the pro those who advocate you know legalization of marijuana say it's going to be a good thing. Those who say it's, say it's not is going to say another 
So it's, uh, I mean, let's tell you what, let's see how it plays out for the next couple of years. Because then, yeah. let's say, for example, these the revenues start to drop and Colorado has some kind of, like, you know, massive health academic, you know, in regards to uh, to weed or whatever, then obviously then, you know, where we're going to, that's going to be a reverse of basically what we're talking about now. So uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, we'll leave that to, uh, to play out here over in, uh, over in the United States. Let's move on to this, and uh, this story happened uh, a few weeks ago whilst we were off air, and, uh, but mind you, it's still, you know, lights of fire under me, to be quite honest with you, and, uh, you know, I don't ask me, I don't know why we have this, but, uh, you know, in London, we have an embassy to uh, the, what is referred to as the DPRK, they like to call it, the, you know, the North Korea, and, uh, you know, it's just, I, I'm absolutely disgusted that we have some guy who currently, you know, lives there or whatever and uh, basically says all this stuff. So there's this North Korean uh, ambassador and he was uh, Sky News through some miracle, uh, I would say, because for those of you who don't know that, North Korea is like one of the most secretive states in the entire entire world. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a um, country that we even let you know, the North Koreans wouldn't even tell you what their favorite slice of you know, wouldn't tell you what their favorite food was, let alone you know whatever you know whatever else they would tell you about their country. And but somehow by some uh, I don't know some kind of like uh, you know a shot in the blue or whatever uh, the UK ambassador to North Korea is Huyen Hak Bong uh, Bong. Uh, <laughs> wow, that is. Uh, Coming off marijuana, that is not a good, not that's not a good name to start <laughs> yeah. off with. But Hyam Hagbong um, recently gave an interview to Sky News, and uh, he said, you know, he was talking about that, you know, North Korea has nuclear weapons, yada yada yada. You know, we're going to destroy the United States, yada yada yada. And uh, yeah. then he says what I believe is the most disgusting thing I think I've ever heard, and that is uh, that he believes that uh, the defectors who ran away from his tyrannical regime are basically quote-unquote human scum wow wow yeah and you know these are people who have been through the most horrific torture in you know in you know for since the days of the nazis when they had the uh the holocaust and you know the the fact that we have someone currently there who espouses these views mm-hmm. and you know sorry i was just uh but it's just for me is absolutely sickening. Wouldn't you think you would take some guy who made these statements to on national television? Wouldn't your first instinct to be, uh, you know, if you were in charge of this country, to basically throw this guy out? Um. Well, oh. that, that's it. That's a tough one, isn't it? Um. It's kind. Of, it's yeah. kind of suspicious. Really suspicious. This is a guy who believes that you know those who were tortured mercilessly. You know, there's like there's one Yorker indirect defector who had uh, his like his like two or three fingers cut off, and he's like got like you know uh, you know marks on his on his body from being tortured with fire. I mean, uh, and to what to call him human scum? Um, Yeah, it's 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 abhorrent for anyone to hold an opinion like that. Um, Wouldn't you at least tell this guy to go fuck himself? Yeah, I mean (laughs) certainly. Yeah, that would certainly be some choice words that I'd have for him. Um, I mean, the North Koreans in particular are, uh, as a nation, um, uh, but again, this is certainly not all of them, but there are certainly a vast majority of them who are completely and utterly uh, 
I don't even think brainwashed is the, is a sort of apt way of putting it. It's more like sort of brain typhooned, really. It's like they're they're <laughs> yeah. completely in this sort of bizarre world that they've been led to believe. But to sort of cover a couple of points, um, uh, should he be uh, booted out for saying things like that? Uh, in an ideal world, yeah, he probably should. Um, but then there are all kinds of groups um, who picket streets uh, from sort of various uh, cultures, subcultures within this country who uh, go around uh, inciting similar kinds of uh, hate and uh, spout similar kinds of uh, you know of rubbish, basically. Um, you know, and a lot of people would say that they should be booted out as well. But unfortunately, um, I suppose being in a more uh, progressive society, uh, we have to set the example. Uh, but yeah, anyone who has that kind of shallow-minded thinking, um, yeah, yeah, I think that of course we'd, we'd you know, we'd want to. Well, not shake them by the hand, but we'd like to show them the back door. Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, obviously I'm not going to advocate violence towards this guy because I know there's probably some people who are thinking that's where this is all going. But let, yeah. me, let me tell you something. Yeah. I think uh, if someone did that and I think, you know, someone like espoused these views, I mean, obviously we've like heard like all the uh, the crap that's currently going on with Katie Hopkins and all the uh, the rubbish that she's basically been spewing out. And yeah. uh, now she recently she says, oh, I have to have a panic button on my in, in my in my house, you know, in case someone tries to break in and attack me or whatever. And uh, which do I say, you know, what, are you surprised? And, uh, I mean, obviously no one should, no one deserves to have something that like that happen to them. Obviously, you know, we should, uh, we should always uh, appreciate the fact that we have full freedom of speech, unlike you know, where uh, some people are allowed to have, you know, AKA North Korea, and um, you know, it's just. Uh, but you know, for someone like this guy, I mean, I don't advocate violence towards him, but we should really not treat this guy with any type of dignity or respect or whatever, whatever when he's walking the streets. <laughs> like you know, it's yeah. like this is the guy who believes that you know torture victims are scum. Let, let, yeah. let, 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 let's 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 put that. Like, like, let's take out any like any political narrative or anything like that. This is a guy who believes that people who have been tortured, people who have been abused, people who are psychologically damaged by the uh, basically the stuff that their government has done. This guy believes that they are scum. What an yeah. asshole! What does what yeah. does what, if they're scum? What does that make you, my friend? Yeah. But what I mean, does that make you? Of, it, it, you know, it's no surprise that. You know, someone who is loyal to North Korea would say something like that. You know, they they believe that the rest of the world is out to get them. They believe that their leader is, you know, is some kind of uh, god incarnate. You know, they're a, they're a very bizarre bunch, and um, so it's strange that it's not surprising that he would say something like that. But again, it certainly doesn't make it right. And uh, yeah, I think any anyone like that, whether it's you know this guy from North Korea, whether it's Katie Hopkins, whether it's Anjum Chowdhury, whether it's anyone who goes around spouting utter crap, um, then yeah, they should be treated with all the disdain that should come with uh, their verbal bollocks. Really, um, uh, could, could you imagine a question time with uh, the North Korean ambassador uh, Anjum Chowdhury, Katie Hopkins, and 
it may be David Starkey just to throw it in for a, a, a bit of a mix. You know, that's, that's, da- like, da- the, that's like the lineup for the suicide. <laughs> 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 that's mental. I, you know, David Dimbleby's head would just explode. It would just, you know, it would. It <laughs> Which would... is what happens to the members of the Suicide Squad if they attempt to desert. So, <laughs> oh, wow, that's uh, yeah. Uh, God, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the letters that would come rolling in if something like that? Happened? Yeah, the, the BBC would just disintegrate. I mean, it would just. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it would be. It would be just. It would just disintegrate the next day. It was just like, how could you? How could you allow such a, something like that to happen? But. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure if we got all them people in one room, they spouted all their rubbish. I'm sure somehow it may unlock a portal and release like Cthulhu into the world or something like oh, that. God. It's the it's the end. It's the gatekeeper and the keymaster scenario. Yeah, I mean to be to be fair. To, I mean no, well not to be fair to this guy, but uh, I mean try to find some kind of reasoning behind his madness. Um, Bagbong, he, he, you know, if you think about it, what type of business relationship do we have with uh, North Korea? I mean, we don't, yeah. we don't sell. I mean, as far as I'm aware, we don't sell them anything. They don't sell anything yeah. to us. I mean, well, when was the last time we bought, you know, anything that <laughs> says made in North Korea on it? Yeah, um, Kim Jong Un. T-shirt, you know. <laughs> to be fair, actually, tell you what, actually, there's something, there's something else that I actually picked up on recently. Apparently, uh, North Korea has now uh, opened up their own shop, like uh, like their own e-commerce shop, so you can like buy the your if, so if you need like you know if you're short on like your Kim Jong Un chocolates or whatever, you can you know get some yeah. or something. Like that. Or, yeah, Absolutely, like, yeah. Little, God, I'm, I'm just buying any of his chocolates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, mind you, go back to what I was originally saying. Um, you know, Hyun Bak Bong, he probably he, he maybe he you know one thing that probably probably did happen in that interview is probably he got a bit overexcited maybe i don't know and because if you think about it if we don't do any business as far as i'm aware with north korea unless like a hostage goes missing or whatever but uh, um you know so he probably just you know he sits there uh, in his uh, in his ambassador and uh, i think this is probably what he sings to himself whilst he's there i'm so Lonely, so lonely, so lonely and sad, real alone. There's no one, just me only, sitting on my rental throne. Yeah, we all know how you feel, Mr. Uh, Hyun. <laughs> Yeah, we know how you feel, Mr. Hyung. Well, uh, sit there in your North Korean embassy uh, in that little house on that uh, on the street. Mind you, imagine living next to that thing. Have you actually, have yeah. you actually seen it? It's like it's a little like uh, semi-detached house uh, with like a North Korean flag in front of it. It's like it's not really much to look at at all. So, uh, it doesn't sound much like an embassy. It sounds... Sounds a bit like my next door neighbour, actually. Um, moving on. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's uh, move on to our next topic. Let's move away from that. And uh, this is uh, actually this was something that got me very excited uh, when I heard it uh, whilst we were off air. Uh, apparently, there's going to be a live action Mulan. Oh yeah. Oh, cool. That's going to kick ass. And uh, mind you, 
I was thinking about. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if you uh, saw a couple of year, a couple of weeks ago, uh, or mind you, listened to a couple of weeks ago. I did say why was uh, Mulan like my favorite Disney princess, and uh, you know, so I was like showing my my girly self and everything like that. But uh, the one reason she is is because basically in the Chinese version of the movie uh, that uh, you know, because obviously there's like different variations of Disney movies. They don't like just produce them all in English. They produce them in different languages as well. And uh, the big one, obviously, was going to be the release for Japan because... I mean, sorry, for China because uh, they were going to... Uh, obviously, there's going to... So they needed to bring some like, Chinese heavyweights to uh, do like all the voices and stuff. And Captain Shang is actually voiced by Jackie Chan. Oh, wow. That's so, cool. So think about it this way. Uh, Mulan is a Disney princess trained by Jackie Chan. That is a movie I would pay to really? see. I'd say she would, she would be in front of Elsa and she would have to like box her and Elsa would just be kind of wet herself and kind of freeze it. It's like, you know, like that. that, 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 that was well, anyone who could box Elsa would be good in my books at the moment. Yeah. I, I, to, to shut her up, if anything else. I don't care if all the little girls are going to cry. I reckon Mulan could kick Elsa's ass. Yeah. Well, don't forget really? she's trained. Yeah, well, I mean, she would like you think about it. She would like be like launching all like all her ice all over the place, and you know, Milano would basically just be jumping around like you know, uh, uh, you know, like jumping on the ceiling and stuff like that, like doing all Matrix moves and stuff like that. And eventually, she would have kicked her in the face. <laughs> I mean, there you go. <laughs> I mean, uh, Elsa could use that uh, strike that ice spell straight to her heart. That could really kill her. She's got to she's got to hit her first. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing you didn't think about, but uh, yeah. And uh, mind you, I think uh, every, any other Disney princess uh, you, will, you will think of like attacking Elsa. You know, you might you, you might as well get this guy to uh, draw out the strategy plan. Okay, that should have completed. What the hell's going on? <laughs> He's having to pop off. Okay, um, I have no idea. I don't know why that happened. Uh, so let me just let me just play it again. Yeah, yeah, that, that's there the guy who's driving. Better. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Fantastic. Okay, so uh, yeah, but I think you know the the live action Mulan's going to be. Good. Mind you, I recently heard there's uh, news currently going on for whatever reason. Apparently, uh, some Disney fans are afraid that they might uh, uh, bring in a white uh, Mulan to like play the uh, like white actors play Mulan. Right, I see. I think is a, a load which I think is a load of a load of worry over nothing. So there's like 30,000 signatures currently on this uh, petition for whatever to say we want an Asian Mulan not an you know a a, a white Mulan. Right. Thank yeah, you. I, I suppose it's kind of in in keeping with a lot of this sort of you know the Hollywoodization, uh, which is the only word I can think of at the moment. But like it's like uh, what was that one that came out that was about Moses and you know you had those two guys playing the pharaoh and yeah. Moses and a lot of people said oh you know it should be should you know it should be different more more yeah. um more sort of appropriate actors in terms of the for the casting but um it's a tough one isn't it mind you it's like the prince of egypt which is an underrated classic in my opinion you know the the cartoon and uh, well that was played by well the guy who played uh, moses and that was uh, the guy who played iceman from top gun so uh, i never thought yeah. that you know most uh, and also on top of that wasn't uh, the 10 commandments who played uh, moses in that um uh. I tell you what, I've, I actually tell you what, the DVD is only a couple of feet away from me, so uh, just bear with me one second. Just give me okay. one minute. 
but uh, yeah, no, the Pharaoh was uh, uh, Ray Fi- oh, Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. Oh, Yul Brenner. Oh, sorry, is this in the original Ten Commandments? Yeah. Uh, in the uh, in the in the Prince of Egypt. Um, yeah, it was uh, uh, Val Kilmer who was Moses, I think, and uh, and what's his name? Um, uh, Ralph Fiennes, or Ray Fiennes, sorry, um, as in Voldemort, who was the uh, the Pharaoh. Oh, and by but, the way, uh, like in the okay, in the guys, animated version of Mulan, it's mo- most of the cast is actually uh, Asian. In the animated version, yeah, the most of them are Asian, with the exception of uh, Eddie Murphy. Oh, who's the dragon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they they could get away with having Eddie Murphy as the dragon, but mind you, why is that? Why is Eddie Murphy the dragon? I mean, it's like that, that that's something I didn't like, you know. So uh, just for comic relief, I guess. Oh yeah. Oh, for I, yes. I don't. I, I don't. As you can probably tell, I don't like Eddie Murphy. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, all those all those uh, uh, golden raspberries he's got in the uh, over the years. I think he deserves them. Mm. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm looking at all the uh, okay. So it stars uh, Charles Charles Charlton Henson. Oh, um, I knew it was that. I knew uh, Charlton Heston. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it also stars. Actually, I'm trying to think. There's. Uh, Someone else's stars actually, which uh, was quite a surprise. Uh, I think Vincent Price was actually in this as well. Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Yeah, he played. I don't know. God. Uh, he, played the, <laughs> he played the guy who was attracted to the water girl. Oh, was it? Okay then. It was, it was uh, trying to prostitute her or something. Okay then. So, uh, well, well, mind you, the evil is uh, Vincent Price's game, isn't it? So, uh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, that would have uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Actually, there was something actually quite funny about that. So you know Vincent Price. You know his last ever appearance in a film was in a unknown uh, film called The Thief and the Cobbler, which was uh, in uh, like a their variation of Aladdin, I believe at the time, which was made in uh, I think it was like he was like he was produced in the seventies, but then didn't actually get released until like the nineties. You know before Aladdin came out, I believe, or some kind of. He did Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, he, Vincent Price. Yeah, he did Edward. He did the. He played the scientist in the Edward Scissorhands that created yeah. uh, Edward. When yeah. was when, what year was that? Uh, that was nineteen ninety one, I think. Okay, what year and, did what year did he die? I can't. Uh, two years somehow. Two years after that. Two years after that. Oh, okay, then that's fine. So well, that, I, that was one of his last I thought, movies. Oh, I thought creepy. I thought well, I thought you have already died sooner than that, but uh, I mean. Yeah, but uh, apparently Vincent Price did the. Uh, apparently, this uh, the Thief and the Cobbler. Apparently, was like pro- production was done in the seventies, and then it was like later released in the in the nineties. So uh, it's kind of like one of those bizarre bizarre works. But uh, yeah, I've got the Ten Commandments now on uh, on my desk now, and uh, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> uh, I don't really want to throw it back onto the shelf, but uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I think I'll. Uh, here we go. Whoop. Yeah, that was okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay. So, yeah, I just think, you're going back to Milan, and, uh, you know, yeah, you said that the majority of the uh, uh, of the cast is going to be Asian, which uh, really, you know, doesn't, you know, I think, it should, I think, sh- I don't know, really, like, it wasn't like, you know, the whole cast of 300 was was Greek, so... No, uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's strange, isn't it, like, uh, how a lot of these, um, a lot of people can get sort of up in arms about certain things like this, you know, and... Yeah. I, I'm trying to think what was what was one recently, um, and they were talking about white actors and black actors, and yeah. 
I mean, the one thing I'll definitely really say, good. it will not, it won't be done to the T. I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, there's been so many films that I, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, what are we going to say? Okay, all the Chinese people, you know, all the basically all the Asian characters who are Chinese are going to have to be from China, and we're going to say like all the Mongolians who are going to be like invading the place have to be from Mongolia. I mean, yeah. when we're acting yeah. in this film, I mean, is that is that are we really going to be that strict with it in regards yeah. to you know a fantasy film? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, really, isn't it? I mean, like I was saying about how it's different when it's voice actors because, you know, a voice actor, when you're listening to characters, I mean, particularly if it's sort of like a superhero thing, um, cartoon that I watch every now and again, like a lot of them you can't tell whether they're black or white, and it doesn't really matter. As lo- you know, as long as they're bringing something good to the performance, that's all that should matter. Uh, that was what it was. I think it was something... Is it something about um, uh, the, the Fantastic Four, the new Fantastic Four? Because um, Johnny Storm is being played by um, uh, that actor. What's his name now? Uh, Jason. Jason something or other. I'll, I'll, I'll just look it up. Just bear with me. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the thing. It's like obviously, there's been all that controversy about you know uh, that other you know the. James Bond about being, you know, where he should be like a Scottish white guy, you know, he can't be ever be played by a black actor and stuff like that. It's like, why not? It's yeah. like, uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's Scottish or whatever, but it doesn't mean they can't make a twist of the story where they can make him black. Right. Yeah. So I, I know, just, I mean, I've heard of black guys that are Scottish. Yeah, I mean, so again, I, I, I don't know about the, uh, the, uh, the African community of the of, of Scotland, but, uh, I mean, I never really delved into that, it's that far into it, but, uh, you know, you can't say... You can't do a spin-off that for... I mean, when was the last time uh, James Bond had any kind of, like, uh, you know, continuability? How did uh, Roger Moore somehow morph into Pierce Brosnan? Mm. Right. Like, you know. And how come he never gets older? I'm sure yeah. that James Bond is actually secretly a Time Lord. That would make complete and utter sense. That's how I deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's what we've learned from this last couple of minutes. James Bond is a Time Lord. Yeah, so. and Michael B. Jordan is the uh, guy who's playing the Human Torch. Yeah, um, but yeah, I was again going back to that point um, that it shouldn't really matter, and and I mean, yeah, I think really with the Mulan film, it would be nice to see you know to see an actor of an Oriental persuasion uh, playing that role. Uh, as long as it's not someone who is there as a gimmick, you know, like Miley Cyrus or something like that, then yeah. fair dues. I think that's the problem is like if you get iconic roles and give them to people just because they're sort of currently the, the hot stuff. But how does that serve the film and how does that serve the character? It doesn't. It's like, let's just let's just give it to them because everybody likes them, whether they're good for it or not. Who, yeah. who cares? I mean, could you, you know? imagine if, uh, let's say, for example, I mean, the, the likelihood of this is this will ever happen is uh, fairly minimal. But uh, imagine if they did a Bucky O'Hare in a Toad Wars movie. Wow. And uh, they uh, and basically they said you know you had like all the build up in the trailer and uh, then uh, you know you had uh, you know then all of a sudden the uh, the um, oh, what's the name of the uh, what's the name of the ship? Uh, uh, yeah, I completely forgot what the name of the ship is now. It's not the uh, I know the screaming Mimi was the uh, the other one and uh, that uh, Mimi, Mimi the fox had and then there was uh, the righteous indignation. 
Would you believe it? Okay, if I only came to my head, the righteous indignation. And so, uh, imagine the right. So the righteous indignation just comes into view, and uh, you know, you see all the toad ships like shooting at it and things like that. It's like uh, only you know, like there's like only one hero can take this on, and uh, then you have. Uh, um, then you like have um, you have like Bucky O'Hare coming to view, and uh, all of a sudden he like he says the words. Corporations are people, my friend. I was like, uh, <laughs> well, maybe not that, but uh, um, yeah, basically another voice just comes out of him, and the only reason he's there is because basically he's popular, or basically people know him, and yeah. uh, so uh, and so he's like, you know, he's like, oh, Bucky O'Hare played by Mitt Romney, or you know, maybe like Robbie Robert Downey Jr. for like the umpteenth time, he's going to be like in a major role or whatever, and uh, it's just you <laughs> yeah. know, it's uh, yeah, it's just yeah, I, I would really like to not see people playing if, if people are going to like start, re, you know, obviously they're doing this now. They're obviously they're remaking our childhoods in some way, shape, or form because you know that's going to be the thing now, and. Yeah. Um, but I want to see it made by people who, you know, either A, kind of grew up with it and are fans of it and know basically what this is about, or B, someone who is not necessarily famous but can basically relate to that. Can basically, you, can re- you can basically put him into that character and you can make him play that character. And, you know, to do those two things or even do both at the same time, which would be even more perfect... And you've got yourself a winning combination. You don't necessarily have to keep sticking in celebrities into things to basically make things popular. Unless, uh, unless it yeah, warrants you know, you it. Want... You want to say that again? Unless it warrants it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if there's, if there's a famous person but who completely fits that role and is good, then yeah, by all means, give it. Um, it's, uh, I mean, that's that's like the situation with uh, Doctor Who at the moment with Peter Capaldi, uh, you know, a professed Doctor Who fan from the age of 15. And when he plays that part, you can tell that he's really in it. You know, he is that character as opposed to some actors in the past who played it and who said that they were fans, but clearly they weren't. They were just the person for the job at that time. Um that's, yes. that's another thing as well. It's kind of like um, actors now when they're playing roles and they say, "Oh, I've been a huge fan for you know for ages about this," and like they've only probably like been reading it for like an hour, and all of a sudden they're just basically being you know still kind of going through that fan phase or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They don't really understand really what it's about. And to me, it's just that that annoys the hell out of me when people say, "Oh, I'm a fan of this, I'm a fan of that," and don't really understand what it's about. And it's yeah. like they're only basically just say, the only reason they're saying it is because they want to get the f- over with the fans. So because they, then if they know that they're over with the fans, with the you know the main people that are going to be watching this and are going to be defending it to the death. If you have them yeah. one over, then everyone else doesn't really matter. You know they can complain you know how terrible it is, but at the end of the day, you've still got that main group of people who yeah. will say you know. Um, you know, sorry, other people, you don't matter. We're the fans here, and we believe that this is good, so therefore it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Another bit of movie news, which uh, I'll move on to because obviously we moved far away from Milan as possible as we have done, and uh, that is that uh, apparently, even though we were talking about the story of The Incredibles 2 uh, not too long ago, apparently Brad Bird has, has, has come out and says that he's still writing it. Oh. Wow. So, so it's still it's still under penning at the moment. Yes, I, which I guess so. I guess they want to wait till uh, this if they can see the screen. The screenplay is actually 
actually good enough to actually be in theaters. Which they annoys really, me a little bit because really if you think about it, the last couple of times that we've had Disney movies, and you know this is something that's also been a thing with Pixar as well. I mean, do you did you remember the what the original story of Monsters University? Sorry, Monsters Inc. was supposed to be. The original story. Yeah. Uh, I can't say I do. No. Okay, well, basically, it was going to be... Um, it was going to feature, like, a, a monster who basically was, like, uh, you know, your your uh, kind of lovable loser, if you will. Can't do anything right. Can't scare kids right. Stuff like that. Yeah, there's this other monster who can and things like that. And then one time he, like, he bumps into who would be Boo, and but it's actually called Mary, but mind you, still called mary and like you know kind of reference to mary and stuff like that and uh she, i think she i think he ends up like kidnapping her or something like that or basically accidentally letting her into the monster world and um then you know he like has to like hand her over or whatever you know for and then he might be declared like monster of the year or whatever and get you know basically be- become like the monster he always wanted to be and but then as a change of heart you know he like goes and saves the kid and whatever and brings her back to her world but then he's stuck in the world or whatever and uh, then they just kind of like play pranks on each other for the you know for for forever and ever until they get older and stuff mm. and so that was kind of supposed to be the original story i mean the uh, bonus features in the uh, monsters inc dvd to tell it better than i do as you can probably tell but um this is what Disney seems to do quite a lot. They seem to like say, okay, we've got this film, and this is what it's going to be about. And then a couple of months or a couple of years later, it's going to be like, nope, we're going to think about something else. Uh, it's, it's about something. Yeah. It's about this, that, or the other. It's like, why bother even mentioning a story in the first place if that's what's, uh, you know, you, if that's exactly if that's what gonna you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. At least they're not doing that for Finding Dory. Um, like, well, I mean, I don't know what the story of Finding Dory is, but uh, what's the story of Finding I mean, Dory? My- <laughs> <laughs> oh god well, right. finding her family i guess that's it they're just that's all they're telling and <laughs> i just it's coming out in a year really well really i'll tell you what the story's gonna be it's gonna be what ellen degeneres wants it to be and because yeah. uh, i kind of think you know she's demanded this film since you know the, since finding it's, nemo came out and yeah. you know she's you know it's like you, you can even track all the episodes where basically she keeps mentioning it mentioning it and then eventually <laughs> pixar gave in and said you know okay then we're gonna we're gonna do this sequel which you know don't get me wrong i love ellen generous to death i think she's really i think she's really lovely you know every times i've yeah. seen her and you know when she stood up to that pastor you know that that asshole you know obviously i was really, <laughs> I, I was behind her 100 percent. but you know you know like i was criticizing the simpsons before for making episodes wrapped around celebrities you know yeah. I, don't get me wrong i think pixar Except probably recently, obviously with like Cars Two and like some of the hit and miss films that they've recently made, you know, Pixar before used to be a film studio that can't do wrong. But something tells me about this film, you know, this is something that's currently wrapped around Ellen DeGeneres, and you know, if the Simpsons, if the thirty-minute episode of the Simpsons doesn't work that well, how's like an hour and twelve minutes of uh, a Pixar film going to work in that formula? Well, I mean, like uh, it's, I mean, finding. Dory is going to be. It's let's see how it was released in Finding Nemo was released in 2003. It's going to be 13 years after uh, Finding Nemo was released. And now, I mean, the other movies, uh, the sequels didn't do very well because most of the sequels were uh, written or made just a few years after the first movie, its predecessor, was made. So. So th- there's a little, there's pretty much a difference there to Find Dory and all the other films, all the other films that had sequels. 
Like yeah. really. I mean, I, I guess some people are going to say, well, you know, you said Frozen 2 is going to, you know, going to be coming out, and you know, that's uh, somewhat kind of wrapped yeah. around, you know, people that know, uh, you know, Princess Elsa and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, because you know, uh, that made a ton of money, and also there's also a possibility, there's also, you know, an open-ended possibility of a sequel, you know, from the last from the last film. So there is still some story to kind of base it on, you know, unlike this situation which has, you know, Dory playing, sorry, Ellen playing a fish being Dory, and, uh, you know, where, how far else can it go? I mean, to be, to be honest with you, I'll, I'll be fair, I've not seen Finding Nemo in years, so, uh, I mean, it's not one of the, it's not one of my favourite Pixar films that I, you know, watch, but, um, I mean, I don't know how it, how it left off, and I don't know if it left off in a situation where they can pick up a story with any of the characters or whatever, but obviously they must, there must be some kind of way, because obviously, you know, they're, they're doing it now, but, uh, I don't know, really. But anyway, we've, we've moved on far from The Incredibles too. so, uh, I mean, uh, getting back yeah, on that. I mean, I mean I'm interested yeah. now, because obviously, if, if now the situation is that it's no longer going to be Violet and uh, Dash uh, being kind of like the two, you know, main superheroes of it, and, you know, Jack-Jack being the villain, then uh, I'm just wondering what, uh, what Brad Bird's got in his mind in regards to, uh, you know, what he's going to do with The Incredibles now. Does he stay with that format, or does he kind of say, okay, we're literally going to do the Incredibles again, and we're going to basically have, like, uh, you know, this, uh, we're going to basically just evolve the plot even further from the first film. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Are they going to sort of do a prequel of the early life in the Incredible house, or, like you say, are they going to take it to a new level? Are they going to introduce more heroes, maybe try and angle for a sort of Avenger approach to it, or... Mm. Uh, I, I would I think know, that. Kind of... I mean, obviously, with the uh, you know, obviously with the Avengers and everything like that, and obviously these uh, superhero teams, I'm really, I would be very surprised if they didn't try and go for that again with uh, mm-hmm. with the Incredibles family because they did it with the comic books, and okay, it was uh, it went on for only a couple of issues and then got cancelled after that because of not not being very popular, but. Uh, I mean, even then, I still would say go with that formula of having them as a family and basically interacting with one another and, uh, you know, maybe turn Dash and Violet into teenagers and have them go through those awkward phases, uh, you know, of yeah, uh, finding out who they are in the world and stuff like that. Because, you know, those those end up being the best stories uh, mm-hmm. in, in a way. You know, when uh, kids start growing up and trying to find out, they try and find their own identities about who they are in the world. Because let's face it, you know, we all know what superhero teams are like. They don't stay together for very long. They eventually, you know, uh, what, uh, you know, Robin eventually went off to uh, found the Teen Titans and, you know, away from Batman. And uh, eventually he became Nightwing, didn't he? And uh, yeah. ended up getting a new a new Robin uh, yeah. eventually. So, uh, I mean, you know, people move on. And, you know, you can go, you've got that to work with. And also it's a classic uh, superhero uh, story formula, which you can go with. So there's that you can do. And I'm trying to think of other, uh, you know, kind of generic uh, superheroes. Because that's kind of what it kind of ends up being, really. It's kind of like, uh, you know, The Incredibles was kind of like, you know, the somewhat generic, you know, superhero comic book film but uh, had its own kind of comedic and its own mix to it, which, you know, gave it, it gave it its flavor and gave it its likability. And, you know, I'm just interested to see how they would, how they would go about through that now uh, with, with those characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, whatever they do, um, I think that the one thing that they should certainly keep at the forefront of it, which is what I enjoyed most about the first one, 
is the fact that they focused a lot on, you know, family and family orientation. The superhero stuff came at the back. Um, you know, that was ju- that was just the icing on the cake. It was a, you know, it was a family a family story, and this family just happened to all be superpowered heroes. Um, so I think that as long as it's got that, and I think you're right, you know, if, if, if a few years have gone by and the characters have grown up a little bit, then they've got new problems to worry about um, and sort of different ways that, they're, that they'll sort of clash. Um, but, um, yeah, it, I suppose the story... Yeah, they could do anything with it, really, isn't there? They, because it's it's an original thing. I mean, obviously, there's a lot borrowed from the Fantastic Four. Um, mm, yeah, you know, but quite a, quite a, a surprising amount. I mean, I like the way that when I watched the interview years ago, where they were talking about, so how did you come up with the idea for the Incredibles? I was just waiting for them to say, well, you know, we 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 loved the Fantastic Four, but they didn't. They sort of said, well, you know, mums are always having to kind of stretch themselves very thin, so that's how we came up with, you know, Elastigirl and the the, the monarch of the family, uh, the, the the dad of the family, sorry, he's the one who has to be sort of strong for everyone, so he's got the super strength, and, you know, and the kids, the, the, the young lads are always flying about everywhere, so that's where he gets the speed, and the teenage girls don't want to be seen, so they would like to be invisible. It's like, you, you've got you've got the same powers, basically, as the Fantastic Four, just, you know, but and then you had Jack Jack, who was kind of like this, uh, you know, uh, orb of possibility. So you didn't know where he kind of stood. So obviously he was like jack of all trades. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know, and uh, what was the what was the villain's name? I've forgotten. Already. That was yeah. Syndrome, who didn't have a superpower at all and uh, relied on uh, technology to uh, kind of be a super superhero yeah, in a way. A bit like a bit like Doctor Doom, uh, and then the guy who showed up at the very end of the film, uh, the Underminer, who was basically like the Mole Man again from the yeah. Fantastic Four. But the good thing is that even though there's a lot taken from other things, um, it's still its own sort of original universe, so they can do anything with it, anything they want. And uh, as long as it keeps those uh, things at the forefront of the of the sort of, you know, the the storytelling. Uh, I mean, that's that, for me, in many ways, is what makes uh, a good superhero film. Um mm it's if the you know all the the bells and whistles come at the back and it's about the characters first and foremost you know bad action movies are the ones that are just all about the action and the characters are non-existent um whereas really good ones where you have you know these really good sort of character journeys and things like i mean i, I always said that about anyone who ever kind of dissed captain america everyone said oh captain america you know he's quite a bull boring character and i must admit when i saw the first captain america film uh captain america uh, the first avenger uh, um i enjoyed it but it was a little bit too sci-fi for me it was too comic booky so you never really sort of got an, a sense of who any of these characters really were whereas when i think, you come I think that's a problem that you have with superhero films because how far away do you take it away from comic books until basically you say okay you've taken it too far away from comic books and now it kind of just is its own kind of generic film i mean yeah i mean it's it's the, and i think that's what it looks a bit like that's what the new Fantastic Four is going to be like. It looks like they're kind of moving away from you know the Marvel uh, comic booky approach, and they're going for a more kind of 
sci-fi and dare I say gritty approach to the character but I think that as long as you have certain elements in there people will always know what they're dealing with um, but what I was going to say was, was when you got round to Captain America the Winter Soldier that was when it was a lot more about the characters and a lot more about you know the sort of the world in which they were living and all of the comic book stuff and the things that was in there for the diehard fans, you know, kind of came second. And ultimately, it was a lot better for that. So I suppose with, again, with um, Incredibles 2, as long as they have the storytelling, the characters at the forefront, and they can leave all the sort of fancy stuff for afters, um, then yeah, it could prove to be a good movie. And like you were saying, if he's right. still working on it, then obviously he wants to get the best script possible. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So that's my thought, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, Incredibles two. We don't know when it's coming out yet, but uh, interesting to say the least that uh, you know, Brad Bird's uh, back in the game, and uh, we're going to see. Because uh, actually, I tell you what, it's not normal for Brad Bird to do sequels. So uh, it's uh, there must be something he really wants to do in this uh, in this universe that he uh, feels he hasn't accomplished yet. So. Anyway, shall we move on to our, well, quickly breeze over this, and uh, I'm not sure if you want to spend too much time on it, but, uh, you know, Microsoft's Internet Explorer is uh, going to be retired soon, and mm. they're currently working on this uh, Project Spartan thing to uh, um, basically re- revamp the browser, because uh, apparently they've now discovered that it's not as popular as everyone thinks it is. And so it's going to be rolled out to the uh, latest uh, Microsoft phones, uh, Windows phones, and uh, I don't know really. I mean, uh, I mean, it, uh, I mean, what do we think about Internet Explorer? I mean, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Chrome user myself, so uh, I don't know about you, Harry. I mean, what about yourself? Uh, I'm I kind of flip between Chrome and Firefox, um, depending on which one's behaving itself. Um, but yeah, Internet Explorer. I can't think of the last time I used that. Um, and. I remember getting an email not long ago on Hotmail that was saying that they're no longer doing any Windows updates um, for, I think it was Windows XP or something like that, which was the one that was on my old laptop. So no more updates for that, but they're updating. Obviously, they're still updating these new ones. But yeah, I I can't think of anybody who uses Internet Explorer anymore, really. Mm. It's it's just, again, like the social evolution, cultural evolution it's just the way that it's gone now so but i don't have many sort of fond memories of it so <laughs> no know, um i think well mind you i think uh, internet explorer for me i think it's just basically passed me by and uh, i used to use it a lot back in my childhood when basically it was the only game in town but now uh sorry obviously now there's um you know firefox there's uh, opera there's uh uh, Chrome. There's just uh there's there's various other ones as well uh, i mean josh i don't know what browser you use at the moment but for like uh like browser for what uh web browser oh well uh <clears throat> not really using anything right now i think i'm using uh safari so so, so safari safari yeah. oh, okay then so uh yeah that's uh i mean again it's like uh, no no one here is using internet explorer which i think uh, microsoft would say is a worry and i mean the other people that i do know are also use internet explorer either so uh, they're either using chrome or they're either using firefox so, uh, or they're using something else entirely. So, uh, I mean, it's uh, so who knows? You know, is Project Spartan gonna liven things up uh, web-wise for Microsoft, or if it's just gonna be another, uh, you know, memory-sucking thing that uh, doesn't really do very much? I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I I look forward to hearing all the uh, 
Windows Phone user. Actually, I just realized well, one of my members of my family actually has a Windows Phone, so I think he might be able to uh, test it out for me and see how he thinks, what he thinks. So uh, that'll be interesting. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, whether he's got the latest uh, handset or not, I'm not too sure, but, uh, I mean, he has some kind of Nokia thing or whatever, so uh, right. I guess time will tell. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think we're done. So, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, guys, uh, thank you very much once again for coming on the show. Oh, thank well, you very much for having us. Thank you very much for having yeah. us I think uh, I'll try and get this, uh, I'm going to get this episode uploaded as uh, quickly as I can now, so uh, we're going to do that. I'm still thinking of possibly, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, I mean, how would you feel about doing live shows, I mean, is that something we'd be interested in doing or, I mean, and doing it like either on a Friday or a Saturday in the afternoon or night or whatever or? Uh, I think with a live show we just have to be very uh, time aware, I think, because right. I do enjoy doing these shows because we can sort of have these good sort of discussions. Uh, live shows, obviously, we just have to keep a teensy-weensy eye on the time. Um, right. I mean, well, I mean, to, be, to be honest, I mean, time doesn't really matter because I think uh, looking at some of the services that I've got, I mean, you don't have to stick to a time. I mean, obviously, you can just talk and talk and talk or, you know, whenever you, and whenever you uh, push the uh, the button on. The only the only time-conscious uh, uh, service I'm currently, uh, I used to be on was uh, Blog Talk Radio, and obviously now that they cut that down to, like, what was it, 15, 30 minutes or whatever, and then you have to pay, like, $200 a year or something like that, so... Uh, I'm not even going to bother with that, but uh, I mean, also on top of that, the uh, the the sound quality isn't that good either because you have to uh, go on the uh, you have to like uh, call up like a number or whatever and uh, like line in or something like that. So it's uh, I mean the new setup for Block Talk Radio is not great by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, reason I'm not there anymore, but uh, I mean I mean well, I'll look it into a, a couple of, a couple more possibilities. I'm not too sure what we'll th- what we'll do as of yet, but. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe I might do some, uh, might do a bit of testing over the uh, over the next couple of weeks or so. But uh, well, we'll see what we go on with. Cool. Anyway, uh, thanks for coming on the show, um, uh, Harry, Josh. Thank you very much again, once again. And thank you, uh, everyone who's listening to the show. Where uh, you can li- you've been listening either on Mixcloud.com forward slash Aaron Messer. You can also listen on the Stitcher app. Uh, you can listen to iTunes, Player FM, various other uh, RSS feed and podcast distribu- distributors around the world as well. So thank you very much for listening to the show, and we will catch you next week. Goodbye for now. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>